Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday, June 21st, 2022 Board of Supervisors meeting. At this time, we'll be calling to order um, for closed session items and I'll have the clerk read them out as well as report out from 614. Closed session for today, Tuesday, June 21st. Item one, pursuant to government code 54956.9D1, Conference of Legal Counsel regarding existing litigation, County of Calaveras versus Tuscany Ranches Limited Partnership et al. Calaveras County Superior Court case number 20CV45113. Item two, pursuant to government code 54956. Just, sorry. Point nine D two conference of legal counsel re anticipated litigation one case significant exposure litigation. And report out. Okay. Yeah, and report out. Report out of closed session from June fourteenth, twenty twenty two. Item one pursuant to government code five four nine five six point nine D two. Conference with legal counsel re anticipated litigation one case significant exposure to litigation. Item two, pursuant to government code 54957.6, conference with county designated labor negotiator, Nick Marvin, regarding existing and following employee organization, Calaveras County Public Safety Employees Association, CCPSEA. Item three, pursuant to government code 54957.6, conference with county designated labor Designated Labor Negotiators Krista Monlada and Judy Hawkins regarding the following employee organizations, Service Employees International Union, SEIU, Local 1021, Sheriff's Management Unit, SMU, Calaveras County Public Safety Employees Association, CCPSEA, Deputy Sheriff's Association, BSA, Calaveras Management Union, Calaveras Supervisors Union, Unrepresented Employees, Board action, all, all three items, no reportable action taken. And there's no public comment. Okay, I'm not seeing any in the room. At this time, we're convening a closed session and return for regular agenda, uh, regular agenda later this, this morning. Thank you. Good morning, and welcome back to the Board of Supervisors. Um, thank you for um, the patience. At this time, if you could please stand for the pledge. Supervisor Grandmendi with us. He will be on Zoom today joining um, and we will be taking roll call votes as a reminder to not only myself but the board. Um, for closed session, we will be going back into closed session after the regular agenda. There is nothing to report out at this time. We'll report out at the next meeting. With that, we'll move on to staff announcements and I believe we have Mr. Osborne. Good morning, John. Good morning, Madam Chair and members of the board. Uh, I just wanted to provide a quick update um, in regards to a partnership that we have developed with Hold Your Horses. They're a type one 
uh, animal evacuation team. And I'm proud and happy to announce after uh, some significant work that we have entered into a, an agreement with them um, where they have agreed to come and help us um, during disasters uh, to supplement our emergency services basis to uh, provide um, evacuation and management of animals. So um, just a little update, that was, uh, it's been about a year in the process and uh, very proud to announce that we have uh, strengthened our ability to evacuate animals here in the county. That's all I got, thank you. Thank you, John. Is there any other staff up updates? I'm not seeing him in the room, double checking with the clerk online. No. Okay. No, seriously. Okay. And with that, we'll move on to the general public comment. This is any item of interest to the public that's within the subject matter jurisdiction of the board and is not posted on the consent or regular agenda. They may be addressed during the public comment time. Is there any public comment? And we do have one. Just a reminder, there is a light on the podium that will give you your time. Go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, members of the board. Hope you're feeling well. My name is Joel Pitto. I am the owner of the Green Mine property. Uh, and that may be coming to an end soon. Uh, but I'm here today. Well, first, I see Director Packinger in the audience. And as I criticize his department, Many times here in front of the board, I'd like to say he solved the problem on Green Line Road, did a heck of a good job, up to the highest standards that heavy trucks can drive on it without caving it in, and I appreciate that. I'm here today, however, as I participated in your cannabis program and was rejected. I still disagree with the rejection, but I gave it my shot. It was my desire at the time to become legal and in compliance with the state laws. And uh, I paid for two permits, uh, beginning with $2,500 payments to the State Water Quality Control Board uh, times two. And when rejected, they would not refund the money. They never had to go to efforts on my part. And to add insult to injury, the next year I got a bill for another $5,000 from a credit collection bureau who damaged my credit severely. I did not apply for the next year. Uh, there was no reason for them to sick a credit agency on me. But I've uh, been working with them on the line, uh, the same agency, and brought up the subject of, hey, you guys owe me some money. And uh, I've been working with a lady named Danielle Tiopan. And they are very hesitant to give money back, although some of your people in 19, I mean, in uh, 2018 were given refunds, but only a selective group. Uh, everyone that has paid into that and did not receive the services should get their money back. And I would like to be directed to which officer in the county could help with that effort. Uh, 
Um, I don't want to have to take it to higher levels than cross rivals for others. Please help. It's $5,000 I need. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any other public comment on Zoom? Yes, we have Beth Dan. Hello, this is Beth Dean. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Hi. Um, I'm let you know uh, my time is uh, right. Did you? Yeah. Okay, hold on. And okay, you're good. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. So, um, my name is Beth Dean. Um, I have own a house in the Sky High neighborhood of um, uh, near Bear Valley, up in the mountains. And I am calling in uh, to encourage the board to take action to enforce the uh, requirements that apply to, uh, to folks that own homes up there. Basically, we have a situation where uh, the Olson residence is um, holding corporate events. I think you guys may be aware of this. I'm hoping you're aware of it. Um, and there's been over a dozen instances where they've basically used their house to um, hold public, very public, very uh, <laughs> profit-motivated events. The problem with this is it's very noisy. They use loudspeakers have sales meetings outside, um, it has excessive traffic, and, and it's just not sort of conducive to a quiet residential neighborhood. Um, they have big fires, which I always question whether it's safe or not. Um, they're outdoors until late at night, often after midnight. It's, it's a very impactful use that is just not compatible. So I'm not sure what the next step is with the county, but I would encourage um, all of the board members to really think about, you know, taking action on this because it, it's just not not something that's getting fixed very quickly. So that's it. Thank you for your time and appreciate your your efforts to um, make this a peaceful neighborhood. Thank you. Is there any other public on comment online? Yes. Okay. Um, Scott? Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Perfect. My name is Scott Schrieffer, and like Beth, I am a resident of Sky High Ranch. We're on the border county, bordering Alpine County, um, up on Highway 4. I am uh, the owner of lot number 55 expand a little bit on Beth's concerns. The Olson family owns three parcels. The main residence is at 751 Edmont Road. The community is zoned single family residential and our CCNR also complement that county um, zoning requirement. The building construction took three years, incredibly disruptive, and now there have been 13 in corporate retreat events in the last four years since the construction has been completed. So the community has been packed for seven total years. Of the 13 events that have been hosted, the largest event had over 100 people. They regularly bring in small buses to transport them into the community. 
They rent off-road ATVs, race them around the community. They also have cars, uh, you know, sometimes in excess of 50 cars on property. Um, there's excessive light shed. They have excessive lights that uh, light the property up. They, uh, the traffic is extremely horrible when they do host events. The uh, family and the employees of the family that run corporate events have threatened violence, harassment, intimidation, have used blackmail, and bring in event security not to protect themselves, but to control the homeowners that are documenting these events. Um, there have been upwards of 35 letters written to the county over the last four years regarding the troubles that we're having. There was a petition signed by 57 property owners that went to um, the Honorable Marita Pickway. She also attended uh, the largest community that ever took place in the community regarding the Olsons. And I think she can attest to the emotional trauma that some of the people have experienced. Uh, the latest event occurred just two weeks ago, and this is one of several that have occurred after a cease and desist order was issued by the county and by the Homeowners Association of So they continue to host these events. Along with the corporate use, they have the construction has been out of compliance, and the grading of the entire property has been caused to shed off of their uh, property and is actually flooding other properties. We currently have a documentation that's 262 pages long, where we have witness testimony from neighbors, and we also have substantial incriminating attendees themselves. And uh, we would like to formally request to get on a future agenda for the Board of Supervisors so that we can have a more extensive discussion regarding these matters. I thank you very much and I appreciate your time. Thank you, Clerk. Is there any other public comment? There is no further. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, there is. Okay. Neil? This is Neil. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I uh, am also. Uh, have a cabin in Sky High Ranch, and I am uh, two properties down from the Olson residence. And I concur with what Beth uh, and Scott have communicated to you. We purchased that property uh, to be up in the beautiful Sierras with the peace and quiet uh, that it offers us uh, a number of years ago, which Scott has defined. Uh, construction began, they ran over over construction hours, uh, they were noisy, it took a long time. Uh, we were tolerant of that. Then they started holding corporate events, uh, much of which has been uh, documented. And this is a rated residential, single family. And they're having uh, quite sizable groups continue uh, to come to this property for these events and this is this is wrong uh, the county has been aware of this for several years and up to this point i've seen uh, very little to no action uh, on the part of the of the county uh, if they have taken action i'm not aware of it uh, and i would thank them if they have taken action but i haven't seen this 
uh, up to this point. My reason for being on the Zoom meeting is to ask the county to take the action that's required to move this property back into compliance with county uh, ordinances. Uh, if they do this, I think everything would, would clear up. However, this has been going on for several years and I haven't seen a whole lot happening on the side of the county. So um, again, I encourage the county to uh, address this issue as quickly as they can and solve this problem. I've seen people crying during these events because they, can, because they can't tolerate what's going on. And this is not good for our mental health. This is not good for, the, for what this neighborhood is meant to be. So with that, uh, thank you for listening to my comments. Thank you. Uh, Clerk, are there any other online comment? There's no further online comments. And okay. uh, Jean, in the room, we'll move on to consent agenda. Madam but before Chair. I do that, I think we have some items that need to be addressed on the um, overall agenda. So I'm going to turn it over to Vice Chair because he has a comment on the agenda. Yeah, I do on the regular agenda. I'm going to pull item 22 off this agenda today and move it to the July 12th meeting. I will have more information at that time. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Is there any other board member or staff that wishes to make a comment on the overall agenda before I move into consent? Seeing none, I move on to consent agenda. Um, there are multiple um, consent agenda items. Is there any board member that wishes to pull an item? I'm not seeing anything from Supervisor Garamendi. Is there any staff? Well, I might want to pull something from the oh. HSS okay. consent Oops. just to have Tony speak. We haven't heard her or seen her. <laughs> She's saying no. Okay, fine, I won't. Okay. <laughs> okay, so there's no, just to clarify, there's no consent item being pulled. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda? So moved. Second. We are going to have to do a roll call. So, Clerk, can we do the roll call, please? Yes. District 1? Yes. District 2? Yes. District 3? Aye. District 4? Aye. District 5? Aye. That passes 5 0. Thank you. Next, we have regular agenda item. Number 20, clerk. Item 20, agreement, public works, authorize the board chair to execute amendment five to an agreement with Dokken Engineering Inc. in an amount not to exceed $4,456,290.82 for the term of September 1, 2018 through December 31, 2023. Mr. Packenger. Good morning. Good morning. The amendment before you is to cover the uh, additional expenses for environmental work that is occurring for, at the uh, Wagon Trail project. There's an extensive amount of work that needs to be done. And this amendment, we hope, should cover those costs. 
Is there any questions by the board on this item? Seeing none, is there any public comment? There is no online public comment. Okay, and there is no comment in the room. With that, I'll bring it back to the board. Is there a motion to approve agenda item number 20? So moved, Madam Chair. Is there a second? Second. Okay, roll call, please, for vote. District 1? Yes. District 2? Aye. District 3? Aye. District 4? Aye. District 5? Aye. Passes by the. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Yes. Next, we have regular agenda item number 21. At this time, I will turn it over to the clerk to read out. Item 21, action item, economic and community development. Receive a presentation regarding the Central Sierra Broadband Roadmap Final Report and the Golden State Connect Authority activities and provide direction on next steps, including but not limited to whether to in initiate an invitation to negotiate program with internet service providers. That I believe we have Ms. Galino and Ms. Cruz. We have a few people today. Yeah, we've had quite a few. So who's coming online? Okay, there you are. Good morning. We have Diane Cruz. She's with Neo Connect. She was a consultant that was hired through the Central Sierra Economic Development District, uh, Tuolumne County as the lead, to provide the broadband roadmap, which you saw a draft of in December. And now we're here to provide the final report back. And then following that, I have Barbara Hayes from RCRC to do part two of the presentation today. Great, thank you. So I will turn it over to you, Diane. Great, good morning, everyone. I will go ahead and share my screen. I have a couple of slides that I'd like to share with you. Okay, let me get this ready to go. Okay, great. Kathy, thank you for the introduction. My name is Diane Cruz and I am with NeoConnect. We're a broadband consulting firm that works with local municipalities on broadband planning, design, engineering, and implementation. And I just want to say that this is an excellent time to be doing this work as there is a lot of funding that has been made in response to the pandemic for broadband infrastructure. And so the timing of putting together your roadmap with the funding that's coming uh, available is, is perfectly timed. So let me go through um, our uh, findings in terms of the current broadband landscape in the Central Sierra region. We'll talk about uh, where investment is planned to be made and what we are suggesting additional investment could be made in what's referred to as middle mile investment. And middle mile is essentially fiber optic infrastructure that is connecting um, cities and towns and essentially the supply for internet services. Putting in middle mile investment reduces the cost for service providers and that provides a potential investment um, for them to invest into your communities for last mile services. Last mile investment simply refers to um, fiber that is built 
to all of the homes and businesses in anchor institutions. So, um, and then we'll talk about funding and what's available and aligning your needs with the funding. So this is the current landscape in terms of current broadband services. In California, the definition to be served with broadband is at 10 megabits per second in download speeds and one megabits per second in upload speeds. And so if we look at Calaveras County, uh, we identified all of the parcels that have a building located on it. And so that's the first column to the left. And there are approximately um, 6,900 homes that do not have service or have less than 10 by one service. And to get, give you an idea of what that means, um, most communities are targeting services that are 1,000 by 1,000 megabits per second or at a minimum 100 by 20 megabits per second. And so 18% um, have less than 10 by one and 82% meet the 25 by three standard, 73% meet 100 by 20, and 27%, so it's 73% minus 100 is 27% would be eligible for grants that are targeting services of at least a minimum of 100 by 20. This is a map of the five county region that shows the areas that are unserved. So according to the California PC, the areas that are shown in purple are served with 10 by one. The areas that are in tan are not served. So those are the areas that we wanna focus um, potential investment to at least get those people that do not have service, um, service in the in, um, we did conduct a survey in this process, and we received. Um, ask questions. Just, this. I'm, I'm sorry, Diane. Um, uh, Will you be willing to take a question on the last slide, Diane? Yes, absolutely. I'll be taking a bunch of questions um, as soon as I'm done. I'll try to wrap this up in about ten minutes so that we have plenty of time for questions. Go ahead. Okay. So we did conduct a, a survey. Um, during the study and just under a thousand people uh, provided responses to the survey and just very quickly some of the takeaways from the survey are 36 percent of the survey respondents stated they either have a home-based business or they're planning to start one 67 percent of the respondents had someone working from home during the pandemic and 76 percent said that the internet hurt their ability to work from home only 13% of the respondents said that their internet was fast enough. Um, there's a number of other takeaways that are included in the report. Um, we felt that these were the highlights of the results. The other important pieces are what would people sign up for? And it sort of gives us an idea of how price sensitive people are. 45% of respondents said they would choose the very best uh, you know, 1,000 by 1,000 megabits per second or a gig service for 100 to $150 a month. And then 32% said that they would sign up for 250 meg. So that's important information uh, to share with the service providers as they are planning potentially to co-invest in their communities. There we go. 
Um, the state has already set aside through their ARPA funds approximately $6 billion for broadband. And they've allocated that $6 billion in the following manner. $3.25 billion will be available for middle mile infrastructure. And I'm going to talk about the middle mile routes that the state has already planned. Um, $2 billion will be available in last mile services. $700 million will be set aside for a loan loss reserve. We did create a broadband czar. And something that Barbara is going to be talking about, there's an opportunity that's available now. Um, it's the local agency technical assistance grant. Each local government can apply up to $500,000 each in planning and technical support to get your projects even further shovel ready. Here's a map of what is being proposed in terms of middle mile investment. So the blue lines that we're showing are the lines that are already existing that are owned by Scenic. Scenic invested in fiber during the 2010 American um, Stimulus Program, and they built fiber to schools and libraries throughout the region. And the state of California is planning to invest in the mile infrastructure, those lines that are shown in pink. And as we are looking at potentially closing out services or closing out loops so that you can provide further redundancy to your region, we took the initial investment and we expanded that. And we are showing investment that we are recommended, uh, recommending to you in green. And so these are fiber lines that we're recommending that would provide further resiliency and redundancy in, in the region. And then with my middle mile infrastructure, we also recommend putting in what's referred to as carrier neutral locations or carrier grade data centers where um, government entities, anchor institutions, and more importantly, internet service providers can co-locate their equipment to then access middle infrastructure and access the internet supply if you are better located in large metropolitan areas. So these green dots are areas that we're recommending putting in a carrier neutral location that can regenerate the fiber signal, but then more importantly provide a data center for ISPs to co-locate their equipment. We put together the estimated capital costs for this middle mile infrastructure bill, and we um, we put together costs for the what the California um, middle mile project bill is going to cost. And these are these top lines um, representing the, the pink lines that the state of California is planning to build. Um, we also wanted to show one of the policies that we're recommending is anytime there's work being done in the public right of way, especially along key routes or highways or major roads, um, we are recommending that you put in a shadow conduit or just an additional conduit that can be used later for fiber. And so we are providing the cost of what it would be to put in shadow conduit while this fiber is being built to show what the potential savings would be and how impactful it is to put forward a shadow conduit policy. The charts, the second chart is the capital costs to build the green lines that we're recommending. In Calaveras County, it's just over $10 million to build the additional routes. 
And one thing that I wanted to highlight is it's not necessarily Calaveras's responsibility, if you will, to pay for that. Um, I think that you could put together partnerships with um, PG&E, with Caltrans, with the ISPs, with um, other stakeholders in the region to potentially build out further new mile infrastructure. And so now we get into last mile investment. And last mile is essentially bringing fiber all the way to the home and to the business or to anchor institutions. And these red dots are the households that are that have a building located on them. And again, you can see the areas that are unserved are shown in tan. And then the areas that are served with 10 by 1 are showing in purple. Now, one thing I want to state about that is that 10 by 1 is a really low benchmark. You definitely want to shoot higher. Um, all of the grant programs are requiring that the infrastructure being put in is capable of 100 by 20. And so there's there's probably areas that are shown in purple that are, that are eligible for grant funding. And uh, the state of California is doing some additional mapping exercises that will help um, fill in some of the gaps, if you will, or fill in the disparity between unserved in the TAN and what the benchmark is of 100 by 20. We did put together estimates for last mile services, and one thing I want you to not get caught up on is we can change the major assumptions very easily in our construction estimates. It's something that we can put together in just you know a couple of hours if we want to change the the uh, major assumptions of aerial versus underground construction. Um, many counties that are especially threatened with fire are putting their utilities underground and partnering with PGE and other utility providers to do the same. Um, so we put together worst case estimates based upon 100% underground construction or nearly 100% underground construction. And one of the things that make these costs very high is that we're in a very rocky undulating terrain that drives up the costs. And um, so the construction costs also reflect the current unit prices that we're seeing. Just like every industry, we're seeing inflated prices for labor and materials. So these are worst case scenario, if you will. So our first set of estimates that I'll be showing you um, is 95, uh, I'm sorry, 100% underground construction. We also ran the estimates based upon 95 to uh, area of construction and 5% underground, that's resulting in 70% capital cost savings. A 50-50 split results in about 45% capital cost savings. So that's the highest driver, if you will, of your capital cost for fiber builds. Your trade-off of aerial versus underground is that with aerial construction or using utility poles, there are typically operating expenses that are associated with that, and those are in the form of pole attachment fees. And so our next steps that we're recommending is that you sit down and meet with the service providers in the area, see if you can put together some public-private partnerships, some agreements to co-invest in infrastructure, and then a conversation will be with them. Can you absorb these pole attachment fees? Do you want to deploy aerial construction in some of these routes? But that's something that could um, come along um, in, you know, at the next stage, if you will. So 
we split the county into each district and we provided cost estimates for each district. Each district was further broken into the areas that are unserved or do not have 10 by one and those that are served that do have 10 by one. So for example, these first two columns are district one, the unserved parcels and district one, the served parcels. So there are 1,354 unserved parcels in district one. And here's our plant miles, our major assumptions. This next um, density of household per mile, that's a really key um, number to look at. There's 29 homes per mile. Um, when you get into some of the lower numbers, these are harder to um, build out, more expensive to build out. It's harder to make the business case work. Um, so we you know, definitely want to take a look at these and come up with a strategy to serve the even more difficult areas to serve. And we assumed a 45% take rate, meaning 45% of people that had the ability to sign up for service would sign up for service. And then here's the other assumptions that we put together. And then these are the capital costs for each of those various scenarios. So again, for District 1, for the unserved areas, it's about $15 million to build fiber to every home and business in that uh, district that's unserved. District 2 is a huge district, and we further broke down District 2. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, district 3, there's $14 million that could be spent. District 4, $6 million. And District 5, about $1.2 million to build fiber to each home and business within the districts that are unserved. This next um, slide goes through uh, District 2. We broke those into smaller areas and um, provide you know, smaller bite-sized pieces, if you will, to build out. And then here are the results for District 2. One thing that we want to say is these numbers seem really high, but also keep in mind that there's a lot of funding that's available. And there's a lot of funding that would be available to your county because about a third of your parcels are unserved. So let's talk about the funding. Um, so there's over $400 billion that has been set aside for broadband funding. And that the first stage of that was through the American Rescue Plan Act. The second part of that is through the Infrastructure and Jobs Act. So the ARPA local COVID relief funding that was allocated on a per capita basis to counties and cities and to the state, that's underway. Um, there is a grant that is available through the NTIA for middle minor infrastructure. There's a billion dollars. This requires a 30% match. And the due date for that grant is September 30th. And so those green routes that we recommended, that might be a good opportunity for you to apply for grant funding through either the state or the NTIA program um, to fund that middle mile infrastructure build. Um, there's a capital projects fund that's available through ARPA. And the state of California is getting an additional minimum $540 million. The rules and deadlines for that will be released this year. They haven't been released yet, but we will see those um, before the end of this year. I mentioned the local agency technical assistance grant that's available now or soon to be released in terms of the rules and deadlines. That's an additional 500000 that each local government can apply for for further planning and technical support. 
And then coming up next year, there's, um, as part of the Infrastructure and Jobs Act, there's the, what's referred to as the BEAM program. Um, that will be administered through the state. And one of the first effort, efforts will be to improve some of the mapping, the broadband services, so that you can use more accurate mapping to apply for last mile grants. And the state of California will receive a minimum of 100 million uh, through that program. And those rules will be announced sometime next year. So what we're recommending, and I'll turn this over to questions in a second, um, we're recommending that you do a, a formal engagement with the service providers, um, something like an invitation to negotiate or an RFI process. We like to call it an invitation to negotiate process because it shows that you're serious, that you want to put together a public-private partnership with the service providers, it's essentially an invitation for them to co-invest in broadband infrastructure, to co-apply for grant funding, and to put together a plan to address the unserved areas. Um, we've done this very successfully in other counties. Recently, we did a program in Stearns County, Minnesota. Um, they are planning to enter into an agreement with about five service providers the county is investing 16 million, the service providers are investing 40 million, and they're going to apply for grant funding to get the remainder of the funding um, to build up to every home and county, or every home and business within the county. Um, we also suggest that you continue to work with PG&E on some potential joint builds. Um, they are burying their infrastructure as fire mitigation, and there may, may be an opportunity to work with them to co-invest with them, um, especially the key routes uh, throughout the county. Um, Barbara Hayes is going to talk in a, in a minute here about RCRC and some of the regional efforts that are underway. We encourage you to continue working with them on a much larger scale, the 38 county or so uh, regional effort. Um, some of the counties are putting together an environmental impact study um, ahead of some of the grant funding. This is often a timely um, issue in that, uh, as an example, we applied for grant funding for Eldorado County. They received a conditional grant based upon the environmental impact study. It took us about a year to finish that piece, and now we can start building. So. The environmental impact study will help uh, streamline some of the construction process and get your projects so that they're ready to go. And then we also recommend that you identify your shovel-ready projects. You uh, engage with the service providers as partners, and then to get your projects even uh, more shovel-ready, that you engage in the final design and engineering of, say, your top 10 projects so that you can further um, refine how you will build these networks. Will you be using aerial construction, underground construction? And that way we can fine tune the capital costs um, for building out fiber to the home infrastructure. So with that, I will open it up for questions. <clears throat> I believe Chief Mr. Stopper had a question. Yes, uh, <clears throat> going back to, let's see. Our current broadband landscape and also the uh, last mile investment in Calaveras County. Um, when we get that information on served areas, 
Those served areas are generally within a census blocks provided to you by CPUC. And so you color those areas in as served, but not, not every person in that area is necessarily served. So as we move on in the future, we need to refine that map even more so because um, you, know, you know as well as I do, with that, with that type of mapping and putting that information together without reaching out to each individual household, we're gonna have to refine these numbers because they are significantly off. And I agree with you. So some of the challenges with the maps, the current maps that we have, is the service providers self-report their service uh, availability. And it's based upon advertised speeds. And so we know that there's a gap between advertised speeds and actual speeds. Um, so that's one of the issues. Um, the other issue, you're absolutely right, it's reported on a census block basis. And if one household is served in that census block, the service providers can state that all of the addresses are served. So it really messes up the maps. Um, you know, it's an industry-wide conversation that we all are having. And thankfully, um, there's money that's been set aside to try to improve the mapping. And the grant programs are written in such a way that there's a lot of flexibility that you can show that the area is unserved with other data in addition to the maps that are provided through the FCC or the PUC. Yeah, I, I agree completely. That's why that five potential $500 million is available for uh, refining that, that map later on through a grant process, correct? Correct. Right. And the state yeah. is also working on that effort as well. Are there any other board questions? Supervisor Carroll? Um, the $400 million broadband funding slide, <clears throat> excuse me, it talks about a 30% match. Is that match supposed to be from the county? Or where does that come from? It would be from the applicant. And so uh, you could. You could uh, partner on that grant application, perhaps with PG&E or with a service provider, uh, or it could come from the county. Um, but the match would come from the applicant. I mean, I'm not sure what's, <clears throat> excuse me, has been happening now, but <clears throat> in the years I've worked with the providers in the Evitz Pass corridor, they have not been willing to extend the middle mile. They say there is no return on investment. Same here. So I don't, I'm trying to match what I'm hearing them say with a county that can't make a 30% match. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I agree with you. I think the service providers typically shy away from middle mile investment. Um, you know, they, they absolutely need middle mile fiber so that they can access internet supply and um, it reduces a lot of their capital costs to potentially build out last mile services. So I think it's a really important investment. Um, the good news is that the state of California is already planning to invest in Calaveras County and, you know, this uh, middle mile investment, what we're recommending, that may be a long-term play. It may be over the next 10 years that this network gets built. Um, you know, the good news is that the state of California is planning to invest in middle mile infrastructure now. 
And so there will be ways to get to internet supply and ways of reducing that cost. Um, and then what we're recommending would make your mobile infrastructure even more resilient, providing multiple paths in and out of areas. You know, if there's a fiber cut or something happens, there's a fire, there's a rock slide, um, that you have other paths out of that region from the mobile infrastructure. Um, but they're typically longer-term investments, and maybe your partners might be other entities like PG&E. Uh, or other, you know, potential stakeholders. I can address, I know PG&E has a commitment to underground and the Ebbets Pass corridor, which is that I represent in Highway 4. They're doing the pole replacement. They are not, I mean, every rural community wants the undergrounding. <clears throat> but in place of their doing that they're doing pole replacement um okay. and that's what i see happening at least in my district which is district three <clears throat> so i don't see a partnership with them in terms of undergrounding <clears throat> so i don't see a partnership with them in undergrounding i don't see any service providers willing to extend the middle mile and, but we, we, all of us, would like it extended. So how do we work through that quagmire? So maybe another opportunity might be to partner with PG&E as they're replacing their poles. I know that one of the things that um, PG&E is, PG is working on is um, improving their SCADA system or their power uh, operations and management system. So one of the issues is that they were not able to remotely turn off um, energized or powered lines and um, that was further exasperating fires in other areas of California. Um, so they are most likely building fiber to make their power system smarter and allow them to better manage their power operations. And so there may still be an opportunity, even if they're not underground, putting fiber infrastructure underground, there may be an opportunity to partner with them on a joint build and to build fiber to their substations and to build fiber to their um, SCADA systems out in the field. So, um, you know, that may be another opportunity to discuss with PG&E. Well, like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I have a frog in my throat. The, uh, the slide that says last mile estimates, <clears throat> the last one to me is very poignant and it said service providers may want to build out. I have yet to see in a rural area where they want to do it. So if there are ways <clears throat> that we could partner with them, that we could bring them to the table. Is the state willing to pay for the middle mile that would then force them to come? I guess I'd like to see that. Thank you. 
Any other supervisor? Stop it. No? Okay. If there's no other supervisor question for this presentation, is there any public question before we move on to the next presentation so we don't compact, doesn't get confusing? Is there any public online? No? I don't see any online. Okay, and there's no questions in here, staff, any questions? None? Okay, thank you, Diane. Uh, we'll move it on to the next presentation. Thank you. Kathy. Can we take like five minutes so I can set up for part two? Absolutely. We will take a five minute break for setup. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, thank you for that. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Kathy Galina. Hang on just a sec. Okay, how's that? Can you hear me? Awesome. So, Kathy Galino, Economic and Community Development Director. Okay, am I back on? All right. Um, and she's here today to give part two of our presentation regarding the Calaveras County Broadband Strategy and, um, and some action items to move forward. So, we'll have that towards the end of the presentation. And with that, I'll give it to Barbara. Great, thank you. Welcome. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for having me today. Um, it's an exciting time and an exciting topic um, to talk about. So I wanted to um, kind of set the stage a little bit um, and, and start broad about RCRC. So uh, my name is Barbara Hayes. I'm the Chief Economic Development Officer. Broadband czar is a big word, uh, a big title, but um, I am leading the broadband efforts uh, for RCRC, which is the Rural County Representatives of California. And by way of background, um, you can see there on the slide, RCRC represents 39 rural counties across California. And I will say your uh, representative on our board, our board is comprised of elected supervisors from each of those member counties, and Supervisor Garamendi sits on that board on your behalf. Um, so RCRC was started as an advocacy organization in the 1970s and has broadened um, its scope over the years to an entity that also, in addition to a, a very robust uh, legislative and regulatory advocacy effort, also includes um, some innovative programs that, that benefit our member counties. And we deliver those programs through a number of affiliate entities. And that will lead to the next slide, please, Kathy. I wanted to talk today under the, the banner of broadband about one such uh, affiliate entity that was formed last December. It's called Golden State Connect Authority. Um, and the aforementioned uh, Calaveras County Supervisor, Supervisor Garamendi, sits as chair of this entity. 
It's comprised at present of 38 member counties, and you can see there's the reference to Solano County. Solano County joined RCRC just a couple of months ago, and um, on May 24th there, took action at their board level to also join Golden State Connect Authority. And um, barring any um, unforeseen circumstances, this Friday at the Golden State Connect Authority board meeting, Solano will be welcomed as the 39th member county of Golden State Connect. So the RCRC and Golden State Connect Authority membership mirror each other. Um, there on the map, you can, you can see the area. Uh, Golden State Connect Authority, uh, our program of work is focused in three core areas as approved by the board. Um, and I just want to touch briefly on each of the three and really kind of land on the third one there for purposes of this discussion. So the first bullet point that you see there is broadband strategic planning. We did, um, under, under the banner, again, of RCRC, submitted a grant to the U.S. Department of Commerce Economic Development Administration last September, on September 3rd to be exact, um, for the purposes of requesting money under an allocation that EDA, the Economic Development Administration, received through the Rescue Plan Act um, for purposes of developing broadband strategic plans at the countywide level for all of those member counties, RCRC member counties, that opted into the grant. So Calaveras was one of those grant, one of those counties that opted into the grant. Um, and I'm happy, I mean, there's, it's bittersweet. We, we haven't received final approval on that grant, and here we are nearly nine months down the road, a lot longer than we would have anticipated and did anticipate uh, before we have received final approval. But that being said, we did on March 16th of this year receive conditional approval um, for the grant. And just to give you kind of what that means is for the $500 million program for which we applied under um, at EDA, that EDA received $4 billion in program application. So we're feeling very um, lucky that ours was one that was included in that conditional approval process. Quite literally, we should receive approval at any moment um, on, the, on that grant application. The second bullet there is you see capacity building and information sharing. That really goes to building out our website, which we have done. It's goldenstateconnect.org. There's a resource page on there, and there's, there are good resources, uh, particularly around funding opportunities, some of those that Diane mentioned in her presentation. Um, but it actually goes um, agency down to department level from the state and federal program, and then provides a grid. It's, a, it's an easy one sheeter of whether the money is for planning or broadband deployment or device purchase or whatever is needed or, or, or questioned. So I encourage you to go to goldenstateconnect.org and, and look at that resource. Similarly, um, from an information sharing point of view, we're looking to establish a speaker series, kind of something along the lines of a lunch and learn, where it would be an every other month virtual um, a Zoom meeting, where we would bring in speakers from outside of California and inside California who are approaching broadband in unique and innovative ways, and just kind of broaden our way of looking at broadband deployment models and customer service uh, delivery of broadband, uh, particularly in, with a rural slant. So look to that to come in late summer, early fall. 
um, under the Golden State Connect Authority banner. Now, the third um, bullet point there is really our most ambitious um, and, and among the most exciting. They're all, they're all exciting, but this one's the most exciting. It's, it's big, and, and I will say the board um, is 100% behind us. We have a lot of good partners, and um, we are looking at um, uh, deploying a new model of broadband service in California um, on a wide swath of our 39-member area, um, and that is um, the open access public benefit municipal last mile model. So it's a mouthful, but each of those words um, holds a significant meaning to Golden State Connect Authority. So I want to set aside open access for a minute and just mention that the public benefit aspect of it is we really do intend to overlay public benefit onto this model in the, in the sense that we'll bring services that benefit the public, either everything from free Wi-Fi in the park, um, as, as menial as that sounds, it's very important, all the way across the spectrum to early detection for fire and road safety and air quality monitoring. So those aspects that have to go to public health and safety, um, not just public convenience. So maybe we could jump to the next slide, please, Kathy. And I just wanted to talk for a minute about what an open access model looks like. And, and by the way, this is a model that is used for, uh, across the United States, not as uh, broadly known or put into action here in California, with the exception of very small footprints. The city of Beverly Hills has an open access model network. Um, but really, outside of California, uh, public entities, um, uh, do have uh, an open access model in existence and have for uh, the better part of a decade. In fact, this was uh, the public municipal open access model was started in the early 2000s in Grant County, Washington, um, and has subsequently kind of expanded across the United States. So what it mirrors is very much like that of an airport system, where the local government owns and operates um, the airport facility and the airplanes that utilize the facility pay a fee for that and we as flying customers also pay a small fee to utilize that facility. This broadband open access network is similar in the regard that we are proposing that Golden State Connect Authority would um, build, own, and operate this open access network, the infrastructure, if you will, the broadband infrastructure, we would invite providers onto that network to provide service to the customer base. And then the customers would have at their um, selection a number of providers and packages, price points, speeds um, from which to choose. Um, we're excited about introducing this model because quite honestly, as was discussed earlier, um, the, the existing way that California up until right now as we sit here today has deployed broadband has really been very reliant upon the private sector and the market forces that, that drive um, their returns. 
Um, and that's how they've been determined as far as what areas they cover. So Supervisor Callaway, your conversation about the Highway 4 corridor and Ebbets Pass and that area of District 2 that Diane uh, showed on her map where the, the density is not as robust as uh, an incorporated city in the area surrounding are going to be hard pressed under the existing models to receive service from um, private internet service providers. So a new model had to be um, had to be conceived of and brought into the market and that's what we propose to do here with um, Golden State Connect Authority. I will mention um, before we leave the slide and go to the next that um, we've developed a great partnership, a great network and support system over the last year and a half as we've been working toward the development of this um, model. It, it is modeled after and we are relying um, relying on uh, the, the knowledge and lessons learned from Utopia Fiber, which is the largest open access public benefit last mile fiber to the address um, broadband system in the United States at present. Um, and it's located in the state of Utah. Um, their model is one that we have done a deep dive into and, um, and actually in the first week of March of 2020 in a pre-COVID world, um, we spent three days with the Utopia Fiber leadership and they opened everything up to us and, and quite honestly sitting at the airport on our return trip um, after spending three days there, we said this is, this is something that we can do. Um, with a few tweaks and some assistance, we can make this work. And I'm happy to say that in that intervening period of time from March of 2020 in that first visit, we've built um, a very strong external strategic finance team who has um, uh, deployed uh, bonds uh, for the funding of such a network and SB 156, um, if you go to the next slide, actually has helped us um, considerably. If there is to be a silver lining at all um, out of coming out of COVID, it is most certainly um, the attention that was called to what I will call the digital chasm that exists between those that have access to broadband and those that don't and policymakers at the federal and state level um, have reacted um, to that, uh, that awareness, uh, shall we say. And in California, last summer, um, the governor signed SB 156, and it, it was um, historic not only for the, the level of investment, you can see some of the, the dollar amounts that were included in SB 156 there on the slide, but also for the non-monetary um, elements that it included as well. And for the first time in statute within SB 156, um, local governments were allowed to um, own, operate, and maintain municipal broadband networks, specifically counties. Counties had not heretofore been named in statute as being able to do so. So we were able to get that in language included in SB 156, which opened the door, quite honestly, for a, a big step forward for the formation of Golden State Connect Authority. Also, and Diane alluded to this, um, but the creation of the Loan Loss Reserve Fund is something um, that was very important to Golden State Connect Authority and the manner in which we intend to finance uh, this infrastructure. So if I could take just a, a minute and talk 
very high level about what the model looks like, the finance model, is Golden State Connect Authority being a joint powers authority will issue bonds um, on behalf of a, a, an identified project area. Those bonds will be purchased by private investors. So we will deploy private dollars um, to uh, put that broadband infrastructure in the ground or on a pole if needed, um, but ideally underground, to deliver fiber to the address. This is our priority, um, with the understanding that not all areas will receive fiber to the address. In some cases, we will need to deploy other types of technology, but it will be connected to a very robust um, state-of-the-art fiber backhaul uh, where that is necessary. So that, that private investment comes in. The reason that loan loss reserve is so important is in the Utah model, every jurisdiction in which Utopia Fiber does a, a project as a project area, um, that local government is required to pledge some form of franchise tax revenue. And this is the element of the uh, Utopia model where at the airport that day we talked about there's no way that we can come home and say to our local governments, please, to your point, Supervisor Calloway, please pledge some revenue so that we can make this happen for you. Um, so we started working back in March of 2020 very closely with the CPUC to identify alternative sources of funding that could be utilized for that securitization of the bond issuance. And thus, um, as we sit here today, we have the establishment of the Loan Loss Reserve Fund under SB 156, and it's initially seeded with $750 million. Um, so we will, once the rulemaking is completed for SB1, uh, for the Loan Loss Reserve, um, which is anticipated to be in, in Q1 of next year, Golden State Connect Authority intends to utilize those Loan Loss Reserve funds. Uh, we will apply for and receive some of those funds, and then we will issue bonds utilizing that Loan Loss Reserve Fund as the security and bring those private dollars in to finance our broadband network. Now that being said, not all of these networks as we've discussed this morning and you saw on Diane's slides are financeable completely. Some will require um, some form of, of assistance or, or subsidy to, to reach the, the far areas of our member counties. Um, so that's where um, you can see up there the, the $2 billion that's allocated for last mile service. Um, we will be, we being Golden State Connect Authority, will be applying for those dollars also um, to fill in um, the, the delta or the, the difference between what's financeable and what's needed to um, round out the entire project cost. I will say we've, um, uh, gone down the road quite a ways and um, on the analysis and, and establishing the business analytics by which we are evaluating where our project areas will be. Um, we've done so in very close partnership with CPUC staff, keeping them apprised of our uh, progress and the factors that are going into that decision um, all the way along and, and as we sit here today that communication continues. So. Um, we are looking at, again, utilizing that uh, loan loss reserve and the last mile funding pots out of SB 156. 
We are also, as part of our business analytics and, and Supervisor Callaway, I hope this answers some of your queries earlier about the Highway 4 corridor. Um, we're looking at areas for our initial projects that play off of or pull off of the state middle mile project. And at present, I, and I believe Diane's um, information, her report was completed before the latest maps were released um, by the Middle Mile Advisory Board, which took place their last meeting in, in May. Actually, I think it was May 27th. Um, and Highway 4 is currently included on the state middle mile map as being a state middle mile project. Now, I will caution you that those maps haven't been 100% adopted yet. They're working through with the Middle Mile Advisory Committee right now. But right now, Highway 4 is included on the State Middle Mile Project. Um, so, so I hope that's good news. Another little bit of information just to share with you is that that last mile fund that's also included in SB 156 can be utilized for middle mile projects on their way to deliver last mile service. So if you, we were, and I'm not that familiar with the Highway 4 corridor area yet, and all of those areas that will pull off, but if there's an extension of middle mile that is needed to get to a last mile service delivery area within Calaveras County, those last mile dollars in what's known as the federal fund last mile account could also be tapped um, for, for that utilization. So. Stay tuned, more to come, but right now it's, it's good news. And, and I will say between the map that Diane showed um, was developed and where we sit today, the reason Highway 4 is in there is due in large part to tremendous amount of feedback from local governments such as yourselves and Alpine County I know was vociferous in their uh, desire to have Highway 4 included in, and that, um, that effort has been rewarded at present. So again, the final map hasn't been approved, but it is in there at present. So more to come on that. The last slide I have is, and you'll see down at the bottom of this slide, um, I've highlighted in blue um, on, the, on the two columns there, $50 million for the local agency technical assistance program. And then um, similarly on the other side, what that will allow. And, and Kathy, if you could pop to the next slide. This is a slide that was showed, um, that was shared with county administrative officers by our CEO, Pat Blacklock, um, about a month ago, I think, Krista. And, and it, it resulted, it had the effect that was desired, which was Krista you know, picked up the phone and reached out um, to us immediately. And this is an amazing opportunity that I'm very happy to say Calaveras is, is pursuing. But um, under SB 156, the Local Agency Technical Assistance Program was created. It's modeled on an existing program called the Tribal Technical Assistance Program that the CPUC has had in existence for a number of years. But what's available under the, the LEDA program, Local Agency Technical Assistance Program, um, is up to $500,000 per eligible applicant. And eligible applicants include local governments, tribes, and nonprofits in the broadband space, so COGS or uh, rural cooperative uh, telephone company, electric companies. The up to $500,000 is um, per a ministerial review process. So it's 
complete an application, submit it, your application is reviewed and thereby approved. It does not require, with very, unless there's an extenuating circumstance, it will not require CPUC commission review and approval. It's uh, approvable at the staff level. The unique thing about this, um, given our match conversation earlier, is these dollars will pay 100% of project costs associated with identified projects by the applicant um, that have to do with anything that falls into the pre-broadband deployment bucket. So anything before the shovel turns dirt, um, quite literally, can be included under this program. Uh, that was intentional um, in the creation of this program and, quite honestly, the direction uh, to local governments as receiving a big piece of this. Now, I will say of the $50 million that's been allocated, $5 million was carved off the top and set aside specifically for tribal use, leaving $45 million for local governments, tribes. Tribes can dip into the $45 million pot as well, and nonprofits. So if you just do some very quick math, 45 million divided by 500,000 comes out to about 90 projects. And there are certainly more eligible applicants than there are dollars available, which is why we have raised the flag on this one and really called it out to all of our member counties um, to get ready that when the application window opens for the LEDA program, that our rural counties are really first in the queue with their applications. The applications do require that you have an identified scope and budget associated with the projects that are proposed under your application. Um, so if there's a hurdle, it's not an insurmountable one, but that is um, one that you do have to overcome. So. Um, again, I'm happy to say that Calaveras County is pursuing this opportunity. This is the most immediate opportunity and the one that, um, quite honestly, it was due to open in April and then April turned to May and now we're sitting at the end of June. And the latest slide that I saw in a CPUC presentation had June slash July listed on this one. So it is, um, it could be any week now that this program op opens um, for funding. I will say on the advocacy side of the house at RCRC, our, our, um, our uh, policy advocate for broadband, Tracy Ryan, my colleague, um, is advocating for additional augmentation of funding in this pot as a result of the current budget uh, year uh, trailer bills that are in process. But right now what we've got is 45 million of the 50 million allocated that's available to local governments, tribes, and nonprofits. So that's all I've got for you um, as far as presentation, and I'm, I'm very happy to answer any questions. Are there any board members that have any questions? Supervisor Calloway. Well, I'm glad when I wrote the letter of support for Alpine. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Some help. <laughs> um, on the landmark non-monetary items slide, it says local governments permitted to own, operate, et cetera. Yeah. That's going into the private realm. So how is that managed? I mean, if we go in and say, okay, we want to have um, 
open access in all of our parks and we're gonna own or not. I don't know what that means and why would Comcast or Verizon or Con why would they even allow us to do that? Well, it's not really an allow situation, but we'll table that one for a moment. Um, so I'll answer by way of giving an example. So the city of Chico in January of this year, uh, the council uh, voted and approved to form a fiber utility district that would fall underneath their utilities department. So they are in the process of um, deploying an open access. They're going down the road and doing all of the work that I just mentioned that Golden State Connect Authority has done on identifying a model. They've also identified the open access public benefit municipal model. Um, and they are pursuing um, how that looks from a financial point of view, how they can finance it. And um, we put them in touch with our strategic finance team to provide some um, assistance there. So that's by way of example, one way that a local government is pursuing the opportunities that are now um, allowable under SB 156. Another is through the formation of Golden State Connect Authority. So um, our target, I should mention this, our, our effort under Golden State Connect Authority um, is to look at areas across our 39 member counties. Calaveras is one that we are looking at, we're in the early stages of reviewing, um, where we could come in, Golden State Connect Authority could come in, and working with the state, pulling off the state middle mile, extend by benefit of that financial model that I described to you, that's a combination of private activity bonds and um, subsidy or, or grant funds, um, we could deploy infrastructure in that open access model. So it, it allows for JPAs to, which Golden State Connect Authority is, um, to come in and do that as well. It does not mean that you have to, it's just one tool in the toolkit um, that's available. So, and, and by way of background as to why the ISPs would allow or not, it's, it's not really up to them to decide whether it can be allowed or not. I will say, um, our whole pursuit of looking at new models was to reach those areas of our 39 counties of California in, in greater scope um, that are currently unserved and underserved. And the, the private sector model is never gonna reach those areas. They're just not interested. Um, and for no fault of their own other than it's not, doesn't fit their business model. So we needed a new model. Um, and this uh, introduction of the open access public benefit municipal model that Golden State and the city of Chico and, and other jurisdictions are pursuing is just a way of reaching those areas and providing those services um, out to the far, re far reaches, the more remote areas. I believe, oh, sorry. Um, yes, go ahead, turn your mic on. Um, what, what are the criteria or conditions that you're going to be looking for for projects? That's a great question. I'm happy to do a follow-up through Kathy and provide you a sheet that has our business analytics outlined. So it's everything from the density of the addresses to the geography and geology uh, associated with a project area 
to available partners. Um, you know, Diane mentioned earlier PG&E. PG&E is just one partner. <clears throat> state parks, state libraries, schools are all other partners as well. So Scenic was mentioned earlier. Um, Scenic is uh, Scenic is the California Education Network. They provide uh, connectivity to K-12 schools and universities in California. So they also, under SB 156, were named as the what's called um, in statute the third party administrator for the middle mile. So Scenic, under a new entity that they have formed called, not to confuse everybody, but Golden State Net, um, they will own and they will operate and maintain uh, the middle mile network. So um, there's there's a little bit of overlap there with the scenic infrastructure and the state middle mile. They are in fact leveraging the scenic infrastructure to extend the middle mile reach um, at the state level. So um, so it, it benefits us all. Thank you. Sure. Jack, I believe you had your hand up. Do you still have a question? No, I, I don't, Madam Chair. I had a comment. And <clears throat> first off, I wanted to thank Barbara very much for all the work that she's doing uh, with RCRC and Golden State Connectory. Um, it is a pleasure to work with, with RCRC on this. I also want to thank our staff, Stan, Kathy, Krista, Marcos, who've been working very hard on this. As, as Barbara put forward, we need to be prepared to take advantage of a lot of funding, and we want to be in the queue for that. The, the money that comes after federal funding account funds, which are allocated in the roughly $60 million to Calaveras County, if we don't have a plan in place, somebody else will come and take that money because it is a first come, first serve. Um, you know, to Maria's question about uh, getting in the way of private industry, um, Barbara said it very well, and I will reiterate. It's a question of mission. Uh, the ISPs that currently exist, the Comcast, AT&Ts of the world, their mission is to generate revenues and income for their shareholders. Golden State Connects Authority's mission is to provide internet connectivity to our citizens uh, in, in the areas that we represent. So they're very different missions. Um, and finally, we've seen this before. Uh, in the 1930s, electric utilities were not serving rural California, rural Americans at all. In fact, the federal government came and offered them very large loans in order to go out and serve rural America. But it didn't make financial sense for them because they have, they have to serve their shareholders. And so what they did was they came up with the Rural Electrification Act, which allowed rural America to form co-ops to bring power to their citizens. And in many ways, what we're doing with Golden State Connect is the same, a similar thing. We're forming a co-op or a JPA in this case to serve uh, our citizens. Now that means it's 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 people are able to. It's a public agency. We're transparent. We follow the Brown Act. All our documents are out there, and so it's a different organization with a different mission. Um, if the ISPs were interested in serving places like Arnold, um, they could. We know they have. We know they have a dark fiber there. They're just choosing not to serve those people because it doesn't make economic sense to them. But for us, it serves our mission, so it would make sense. So that's that's all I had to add, Madam Chair. Thank you. Are there any other board uh, supervisors? Stop it. 
Um, maybe Barbara or Mr. Garamendi can uh, clarify for me a little bit further. But with, with this, let's say either Golden State Authority or the county itself would own the infrastructure. At that point, the ability for Comcast or AT&T to plug it in to provide the service to, to where those are it is where the opportunity is for us to co-op with them. And at that point, there's a certain fee going back to, like in, the, in a business model, from my perspective, that would give us the opportunity to take some money from Comcast or AT&T to the point where we could upkeep the infrastructure to continue to provide those services to those areas. You, you're correct. Supervisor Garamendi, I'll jump in. So um, if you don't mind. So you're, you're absolutely correct. Once the infrastructure is built, we will invite providers onto the network. And, and the large ISPs are more than welcome to join that effort to deliver service to the, the far farther out customers, shall we say, or those in rural California. And just as the example that I gave of the airport, the airline will pay a fee, so the ISPs being the users of that infrastructure will pay a fee, and that, the fee that they pay goes directly back to pay down, in this case, pay down the infrastructure and provide that the O&M uh, expenses. Mm -hmm. Are there any other board questions or comments? Supervisor Calloway? I'm going to piggyback on that. Um, the last mile would then be funded through like Golden State or like County, is that what I'm hearing you say? So um, what I'm, what we are doing at Golden State Connect Authority is we would arrange all of the financing, we would deploy the infrastructure, own, operate, and maintain it. And what it would mean for Calaveras County in this particular model is that your residents and businesses would have a choice of providers from whom to choose. They would, I would say the majority of the addresses uh, would have fiber to the address in Calaveras County, so they'd have a very robust um, choice of speeds um, from which to choose and at different price points. Um, so the, in that model, in the model that we're proposing, we would do, show, um, do so in partnership with any local government, um, in this case to carry the, the analogy through, with Calaveras County. Um, through the uh, consummation of a memorandum of understanding where the contribution from Calaveras County would be um, assistance with permitting, expedited permitting. Um, you would be our partner in helping us plan where the, the routes go to ensure that coverage is provided to all because um, that's one of our four um, key principles. Um, so you'd be a partner in it but not a financial partner. Under the, <laughs> under the scenario that, where Golden State Connect projects take place. Um, and I would venture to extend that by way of example. If you, for example, and I'm going to say AT&T only because they're my cell phone provider, but if AT&T covered an area here in Calaveras and wanted to access some of the federal fund accounts um, through the CPUC when they become available, they may, um, uh, they may access those dollars um, as the provider and use them to deploy the network, there's no requirement for Calaveras County to participate in that financially or otherwise uh, either. So in, in all of these cases that I'm describing with open access, 
this, I'm not suggesting that the county itself be the own operator and maintainer or financially contribute. Mm -hmm. Are there any other comment or question? I have a couple of questions. Um, going back to the open access um, system, how would that work with some of our isolated communities or parks? I mean, we've mentioned, you know, a hub would be the library or a park or even maybe a downtown um, collective area that our community um, works at, but some of them um, are off of these network, these maps. So how would we get that open access to the, these areas if we're not going to do um, these less residents to make sure at this moment in time to fill that gap up? It's just a matter of the deliver the technology that's utilized to deliver the service. So they would still be part of the open access network. If they're, I'll use just an example. If you if we go down a county road and and we come to the end of the county road and there's a home that's 10 miles down that road, it's not going to make sense to bring fiber. Um, I wouldn't imagine down that road. Um, but what we may utilize is some kind of fixed wireless technology. So the fixed wireless technology would be an extension off of the end of that fiber line. Okay. Um, and it would deliver the, you'd have the ability to deliver the same services, um, just with a different technological application. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. With that, I'm gonna move it to public comment, if there's nothing else. Is there any staff questions? Dan, I see you. I just want to make sure you give me the opportunity. Okay. Stan's chomping at the bit, no? <laughs> okay. So with that, is there any public comment? I don't see anyone in the room, so I'm going to move it over to you. There is no online public comment. Okay. With that, I'll bring it back to the board. Um, if there's no further questions or comments, thank you for the presentation. And I'm going to turn it over to Kathy. Yes. Great. So. Um, the purpose of this being an action item is to give us direction to move forward. Um, we have some recommendations in the board item that talk about the invitation to negotiate, working with our service providers, identifying the projects, which believe it or not, stands already ahead of the curve on that one. We've looked at identifying our 10 priority projects and moving forward with RC's recommendation and um, what was the last recommendation, I'm sorry. Um, potentially, so one of the things that I've been looking at is a programmatic countywide EIR. I spoke briefly with county council and with planning and looking at doing that at some point in the future like El Dorado and Nevada County have done would give us a huge leg up. Now I'm not making a financial commitment at this time. We do have some funding streams that will be coming down, but we may want to look further at targeting that and prioritizing those things going forward. That it? Okay. Sorry. Um, okay, so it's an action item. Is there any, um, is there a motion to approve staff recommendation? Jack? Mr. Durham, you know, one last comment. This is, it's been referred to as a generational opportunity. This whole program is a once opportunity. Uh, we'll never see this again. So with that, um, Absolutely, make a motion. Okay, we've got a motion by Supervisor Gannon. Do you have a second? Second. Second by Supervisor. What? 
Huh? A motion for staff's recommendation of the action item. There's about 10 of them in the staff. So uh, there's, there's four bullet items. Four bullets, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, they are continue working with RCRC and regional efforts, especially last mile infrastructure. Identify eight to 10 priority projects. Follow up and coordinate with state agencies, including CPUC, Caltrans, PG&E, and others for build out, and then potentially pursue a countywide uh, programmatic EIR. That we still need to get more information on, but I want to be able to pursue looking into that. That's not a full-on commitment, Ms. Calloway. It's a the commitment for the invitation to bid um, or invitation to negotiate. It's not an invitation to bid. There's no formal requirement for us to enter into any agreement. It's simply reaching out to our internet service providers and finding out if we can negotiate with them what their needs are and get more detailed information than we're getting when we talk to them now. Um, and that process would actually be covered uh, under Diane Cruz's shop from NeoConnect under our existing EDA grant. Well, there's an EDA grant that the county is part of. So it would be under the Central Sierra Economic Development District EDA grant for broadband roadmap. There was some residual funds left over, and that's what we'd like to pursue in starting that process. So there'd be no commitment to the county financially. Who's house does this come under yours or stands for being the lead on this? Okay. So it's kind of a, a joint, um, we work with admin, we work with IT obviously, economic development through the district. Um, Stan's done a great job actually just penciling out quickly through a great conversation that we have with RCRC and Diane Cruz on where our underserved or unserved communities are and these um, carrier neutral networks. So, um, but yeah, it's, I don't know who the head would be. Ms. Von Lada, CAO. Yeah, we're, um, as, as uh, identified by Supervisor Garamendi, um, yourself, Kathy, uh, Stan, my office, um, my office will technically have lead here, but, um, but the actual boots on the ground and quite, quite frankly, uh, a point for technology is certainly Stan Moore. Um, so. Sounds like a partnership. Yep. Power. <laughs> okay, with that, we have a motion and a second on the table. If there's not any other for the questions or comments, I'm going to turn it over to the clerk for roll call. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, clerk. District 1? Yes. District 2? Yes. District 3? Aye. District 4? Aye. District 5? Aye. Thank you everyone that came today for the presentation. We really appreciate it. And thank you, Supervisor Garamendi, for your um, efforts in working with ICIC and Golden Gate Connect. I believe you're the chair of Golden Gate Connect too, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. So at this time, we're going to take a quick um, five minute to allow staff to disconnect and exit before we get to our next item.
good? Okay, sorry. Um, welcome back. Um, we are on our last item of the day. So we have item number 23. I will ask, uh, as a reminder, item 22 has been pulled and will be in the July meeting. First July 12th. Meeting, July 12th. Um, so with that, please read out item number 23. Item 23, action item, administrative office, direct staff to work with board chair to provide an endorsement and quote to Congressman Tom McClintock regarding the Save Our Sequoias Act. Okay. So with that, I'm going to move it over to the CAO, Ms. Van Lotte. Uh, Chair Falmdorf, members of the board. Uh, so I believe you were contacted by um, Representative McClintock's office with respect to um, a request for an endorsement and a quote of the Save Our Securities Act. Um, this act is, um, for example, uh, Big Trees. Uh, it has many sequoias in it, but it's for sequoia groves. And the idea behind this bill is to uh, present a model that would allow for um, a multi-interagency coordination to address uh, the sequoias from a scientific and other standpoint um, and actually get eyes on them and try and prevent any more harm than uh, these groves have already experienced. Um, and with that, uh, Stacy, can you pull up the two clips? And if I may, um, within on page eight of the bill, uh, there's 38 pages on page eight of the bill. It is mentioned um, in section 1819, the state of California representing Colorado Spring Tree State Park. So the bill does cover state lands. While it is a federal bill, it is covering the state land. So um, anyways, thank you. I just wanted to make sure, because that was a confusing, um, that is confusing with the, with the title of this. Oh, and I should um, also mention that um, these quotes were prepared in uh, coordination with our uh, federal advocate, Mia O'Connell, who was also recommending that we endorse this bill. So Mia has been working with Kyle Campbell out of um, Senator, um, uh, Senator Congressman um, McClintock's office, and the bill is sponsored by, it's a bipartisan bill sponsored by McCarty and, um, and Peters both from California. So the two quotes you have in front of you up on the screen is um, option that Mia has um, put together for us for consideration. It was not in the board packet and I apologize for that. Um, we were working over the weekend on this. Um, so these are just ideas. Um, and if there isn't huge modification, um, from the majority of the board, um, I'm requesting to work with Krista and Mia on submitting one of these for um, the congressman to utilize and his support um, on, the, um, on the bill in DC. Um, just another added to this, the deadline is today, unfortunately. So we do need to make a decision. Um, it was a short one way, but the congressman staff was understood that um, I wanted to bring it to the board as a whole to get um, the blessing before we submitted it. So I do, I would like to end today with um, a majority support. Okay. 
um, Supervisor Calloway. You totally have my support. <laughs> Calaveras Big Trees Association has been actively lobbying for funding to protect the giant sequoias in Big Tree State Park. <clears throat> We've been, <clears throat> I say we because I'm on their advisory board. Um, we, they have been doing uh, some prescribed burning to save the giant sequoias. There is not enough funding nor staff available to speed up the five-year plan and if this in any way will help with the Calaveras big trees, I would totally support it and I would definitely edit. That first sentence goes on and on and on and on. But outside of that, I is this going to be a letter to no, no. no it's just gonna be a quotation. It was going to be in it's not in a letter with the quotation. Basically, you know, Congressman, um, on this date, the board authorized this endorsement for you to utilize on the floor. And Stacy and I can work on that. That's good. It needs some work. But yes, totally. Okay. So every two options, what I, I understand, the first one does need to clean up. It would, I think the Congressman would like to read less words. Um, for sure, but we want to give some peace to the endorsement as well. Supervisor Stopper. I'm in preference to short and sweet, especially on the Congress floor, so. Okay. I, I would assume that's option two. Yes. <laughs> Any other comments? And uh, Mindy, I just want to make sure I'm not missing you. Could you, you are in the no, background? No okay. okay. Any other comments? And Supervisor Calloway, I'm happy for any feedback before Stacy sends it off today as well. If you want to look at it, <laughs> make sure that the, the periods are where they need to be. <laughs> yeah, in the grammar, yes. Okay. I know, style. <laughs> okay, so we'll focus on I, um, the second paragraph. So is there anything in the second paragraph that the majority of the board feels they do not um, like? Uh, I, I'm in favor of majority of it, uh, but I see that it says Calvers Big Trees Association um, along with the Calvers County Board of Supervisors. I would like to add that in. Okay. I don't, I, I just read, it's trying to read. Right, it's a quote. It's a quote being said by Dr. Vida. It's a quote Kim. from the right. president of the association. Okay. So what we can say um, maybe is the Colorado County Board of Supervisors is thrilled to support this at um, per the quote by Colorado Big Trees Association. I'd like to see something like that because it kind of gives some exposure to an organization that's not the Board of Supervisors because we always get it. They don't. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Okay. Okay. And then um, this is action item. So is there any other feedback on that, on the second quote? 
seeing none, then is there a motion to go forward with yes. the second option that was presented? So um, is that a motion? That is a motion. By Supervisor Callaway, is there a second? I'll second. Uh, second by Supervisor Tofanari. Um Clerk, can you please do a roll call? District 1? Aye. District 2? Aye. District 3? Aye. District 4? Aye. And District 5? Aye. Thank you everyone for your support on this and I am glad it appeases District 3's constituents. <laughs> Okay, with that, we're at the last item of the day. We do have supervisor announcement. So what I'm going to do is start with uh, Supervisor Garamendi on the screen. Is there any um, announcement? No announcements, Madam Chair. Supervisor Callaway? Do we have a strategic planning meeting Friday? I have it on my calendar. Friday. Yes, we do. Okay. Um, On Saturday, the Douglas Flat Community Center will be having a fundraiser to help support <clears throat> the Douglas Flat School. Uh, I'll be there. Thank you. That's all. Vice Chair? Um, I have nothing to report at this time. Supervisor, stop. Oh, sorry. Ben, do we, we have a Hardwood Advisory Committee meeting this week? I believe it's Thursday. <clears throat> it didn't populate on my my uh, on my uh, calendar, but I do remember seeing the uh, email come across from Ms. Fowler. Um, yeah, so I, let's see, tomorrow, Fishing Game com Commission meeting, Thursday, Central Sierra said kickoff meeting uh, in the morning, then a uh, special Central Sierra Economic Development District board meeting at 10 a.m. following up uh, the SEDS meeting on Thursday, and then uh, a little bit later, a hardwood advisory committee meeting, and then we all will see each other on Friday. Um. Just we a reminder, we do have, thank you, Supervisor Callaway. We have strategic planning on Friday with board and staff. Um, the, for the month of July, reminder, there is no COG meeting will be, um, the next meeting will be in August. Um, and next week, there is a GSA meeting with, um, on the 27th, right? Unless that team. Okay. So with that, that's all I have to report. Is it with that we'll convene in the closed session. Thank you everyone to you in July. Yeah. Bye. Record.